when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps, I am uber excited. I have an amazing guest today. His name is Colton Seal, and he's with a company called Pixis Academy. So, Colton, what is Pixis? Um, So, Pixis is a southern hemisphere constellation that used to be used by mariners to navigate mm-hmm. and i picked it because i look at that as my purpose it's i'm not telling you where you need to be my goal is to help you find how to get there like a compass essentially awesome so normally at this point in the podcast i ask my guests what's the craziest job you've ever had but dude you worked for the fbi i cannot imagine anything being crazier than interrogating terrorists how did that happen um it was a fascinating 22 years with the bureau i actually i started off in the anchorage alaska division which is was insane on its own flying small planes around alaska to remote areas to do investigations and actually getting chased by a couple of moose in the process and whatnot. So, Dude, was, that's cold. <laughs> yeah, was, there, there were times doing operations at about 20 below. So, yeah, that was cold. And that was awesome. But then that evolved, I think, because of my ability to operate effectively in kind of those austere environments, evolved into my counterterrorism work, which sent me overseas for about 12 years into some pretty challenging environments and again flying small planes to remote areas to do crazy things so it was it was fun and so from there you decided to work with salespeople. so you went from crazy to crazy is that how that went (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so yeah what what i and we, we can get to this but what i developed within the fbi in the latter part of my career was an effective research based program on how do we talk to terrorists? How do we get people who don't necessarily want to talk to us to talk to us? And I realized ultimately that thinking about people who don't want to talk to us, really, that's everybody. Everybody Mm -hmm. has a reason not to want to talk to you about something. And if you're trying to sell them something that they're not sure they want, of course, they have a reason not to talk to you. So I realized that what I developed and trained is applicable much more than just to the U.S. intelligence community. And so trying to spread that message out there. That's very cool. So today's talk or today's podcast is going to be called How Interrogating Terrorists Can Help Sales. And so, you know, when we started talking about this, I was so intrigued. And and you've got a system that you use to really help people understand communication and empathy and, and all those kind of things and understand how to really communicate on a human level, because I think that's really the cornerstone of what you do. But when it comes to sales, what is the perceived problem that people have 
that you see all the time that really isn't the core issue? Um, if I were to try to distill it down, I think the perceived problem is that if you're trying to sell someone something, right, you're trying to convince them, right, and the perceived problem is that they're not hearing what you're saying, right? They're not buying that rationale you're giving them. They're not hearing mm -hmm. it, right? And if you flip that, Right. What is the actual problem? It's probably the reverse, is that you're not hearing, essentially, and that can be coming through different channels, but you're not hearing what they're saying. You're not hearing what they want and need. Now, from a marketing standpoint, one of the things I talk about is the buyer journey, right? And when it comes to buying something in the B2B space, okay, when you're selling business to business, I consider there's three main points. There is the awareness point, we didn't know you existed. There was the education point where I know you exist, but I need to understand better what it is you offer, what makes you different, how do I utilize this better, how is it going to make me money, all that kind of stuff. And then the last one is the pre-sales, right? So marketing basically gets people attention. Pre-sales is, I know I need this thing, now i got to choose somebody because I need it now, right? So with that, you know, actual problem, are people not letting people go through that journey? Are they not giving them the space to have the time to do it? Is that part of the issue? I, I think it's the time to some extent. And I think it's also, so to put it in the context of terrorists for a minute, um, if, I'm, if I want a terrorist to provide me information, right? Of course I want that, but it's not my decision. It's their decision. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's the thing. It's with trying to sell someone something or have them work with you. It, that still has to be their decision. And there are certain key things that go into allowing them to make feel that they've made that decision rather than you've convinced them to do something that they're not still certain they're ready to do. So really, it's about empowerment and empathy is what you're saying. Yeah. So empathy is part of it. Part of it is autonomy, right? And allowing them that feeling that they have choice or agency within the situation so turning over power to them in a sense and allowing them that feeling of autonomy and that kind of terrorists as well but that feeling of acceptance that i'm not judging you in any way right so removing that judgment and then the empathy piece which is really aligning whatever it is you're trying to sell with their beliefs and values and what matters to them what is important to them and that requires a conversation where you allow them the space to explain those values rather than you telling them what is good for them, letting them tell you what they believe in value. Okay. So you're, you, you work with the sales team, say a sales manager calls you up and you walk in and start talking to not only the sales manager, I think he's convinced that you have something to offer, but now you're dealing with pretty much the same thing, right? You've got a bunch of salespeople that like to work the way they like to work. So mm -hmm. how do you frame the solution to them so that they feel like they own the problem? Um, generally, and it's actually, it's very similar to all the you know, intelligence community people I've worked with as well, is that, of course, everybody is good at what they do. That's why they're there. And what they do is the way they like to do it. But have to frame it is to think back to 
a sale that didn't go the way you wanted it, right? We remember all the ones that went well, and we selectively forget those ones that didn't go well. And so actually purposefully pulling some of those back up to the front of mind and say, okay, this didn't work. You didn't make this sale. Let's dissect that and figure out why not within the context of the models that I apply to this. And that starts to get that that understanding, that kind of you know, light bulb moment that, oh, okay, I, I could actually be better at this. And when dealing with, you know, the multiple personalities in the room, I'm assuming you're not doing everything one-on-one or are you doing it one-on-one with each salesperson? Um, generally, I work with, with groups. So we, we would have like mm-hmm. allowed them to discuss with each other a time that didn't work and then we bring it back into the group and digest that as a group. Gotcha. So does... Some people being introverts, some people being extroverts play into that. Do you have to kind of pull more out of certain people sometimes? Um, yeah, there's every group. It's it's less the pulling out, more the the having helping someone to dominate the conversation a little bit mm-hmm. less. It's <laughs> the extroverts that are the more challenging part of it. But you know, fair enough, that's the way they're made. But it is helping people find that balance and recognize a big part of what I do is self-understanding. Mm-hmm. Why, why am I who I am? Why am I behaving the way that I am? That's kind of the first step of it. And so for extroverts to see, okay, this is my behavior. Why is it that way? And that helps it, helps them to control it a little more as well. And introverts, same. Gotcha. So I don't want you to give away the entire process, but when you walk into a team, what's kind of the steps that you take to, you know, A, get them on board with what you're talking about? Because, you know, everybody in, in most companies is going to be slightly change averse. It's like, oh, no, another, you know, sales training program, another this, another that. How do you kind of guide them through the steps and, and get to that aha moment? We'll talk about the aha at the end with the outcomes. But what are you doing? How, how are you processing it with them so that they follow along and buy into the process? So the, I'll answer that two ways. One is that initial buy-in is that this is going to help them at work. It's also going to help them in their personal lives. Say you have teenage children and you're struggling to communicate with them, or as we've all done, miscommunicating with our spouse, right? This helps that as well. It's not just a trick that i'm giving you to make sales it's kind of an ethos that you can apply to your entire life so that's part of it and the other is i'll give an example of we've all been in meetings and we've all had meetings not go well and so it's dissecting why and how could we have responded more adaptively better in that so i had a I was in a meeting uh, maybe two years ago and I was running a training program and the guy who ran the the larger unit came into the meeting one day and said, we're going to completely revamp the training program and here's what we're going to do. That didn't go over well with me. So my, my initial response was terrible. I started yelling at him and probably everybody has done that in a meeting. So everybody can relate to that. The question is, why did I do that? Because my sense of autonomy and place within the organization and value and everything was challenged, right? It's no different than really the feeling is no different than if I'm suddenly face to face with a bear, my response is to fight back. Mm -hmm. And we all feel that. Now let's look at that. How could I have responded better? He comes in, he has his plan. He wants to be in charge. He wants to be in power. 
what I need to do is explain briefly why I think this idea is not good. I see this, I developed this program. I think if we move it under somebody else, you're going to lose all the value you're looking for. But I understand you want to make a change. Help me understand that change. All right, so I've taken my power and lowered it, knowing that he wants to be in power. And I think when people start to recognize that, oh, okay, I'm not just giving up in this conversation, I'm adapting purposefully to ultimately get where I want to be, that's where that buy-in starts to come, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. So with this process, I usually like to ask about success stories or outcomes. I mean, what have you seen from this, you know, not only immediately, but long-term? Has anybody ever come back to you and said, uh, Colton, you will not believe what happened to my team? So give me some examples of, of that kind of stuff. Um, definitely have. So I'll give their um, probably a little out of the context of what you guys do, but I think they're completely valid because of how different. So I was working with a group in Kenya a little while ago, and the Kenyans have a very different way of approaching people and interviewing people. And their initial response was, no, this is the way that it has to be done in Kenya, right? We have to be in charge at all times and, blah, blah, blah. And so they went through, we did, I worked with them for a week and they called back probably about three weeks later to say that A, the inner team dynamic had completely changed. It's how we talk to other people changes how we talk to each other. And so their team dynamic had changed for the better and they had arrested some terrorists and they sat down and talked to them in the way that I said and they said, this was the first time we got actual real information out of somebody. Hmm. So it was a fantastic outcome there and, and one that was met initially by a lot of different cultural barriers that I get, but those were there. Um, I'm now working with a component of a government, government agency that similar was facing a lot of internal problems they weren't aligned on their goals and objectives and they weren't communicating properly on it. And so I've gone down and met with them several times and they now are emailing me regularly that again, that internal dynamic has changed. They're actually getting along and doing stuff together and that aligned with their goals, but their information gathering role has also changed dramatically, right? They're, the methods I teach based on the research, increase the amount of information you get from somebody by about 50% and they're experiencing that. So that's fantastic. Excellent. Both great examples. And I think one of the coolest things is the multicultural approach that you bring to it. I mean, the fact that you can do something in Kenya and the U.S. government, <laughs> um, uh, those are, you know, two completely polar opposites, at least in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So can you, can you give me an example, say you were, um, you know, working with me as a, as a salesperson, how would you approach it? What would you say, or, or how would you start? Um, again, I think it's going back to that first understanding yourself and just starting there. Mm -hmm. right? um, I can see you right now and I can hear you and see how you're responding to me and hear your words. But the question is, what is driving those? What is driving? You're obviously very excited about the, what you do, but why? What is it that you value 
that brings it excitement? And what do you believe to be fundamentally true about the world that leads to those values that leads to that excitement, right? So there's layers in all of us. Mm -hmm. And just stepping back and understanding who, who am I and why am I doing this and why am I excited? Why does this matter to me? And what, what do I want, right? What are my outcomes that I'm looking for? And if you can begin to understand that, that makes the whole change process essentially of relating with other people a lot more meaningful and a lot easier. So basically what you're helping me to do is attach a personalized purpose to the way I do what I do. Yeah. So that I understand the why behind the how and the ifs and the what's and the buts and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'll answer your question. The reason I'm so excited about this is because my superpower is teaching. I love to teach. By interviewing people like you, I can pull information in a way that I know my audience can hear and utilize and get value of. And the greatest compliment to me is somebody says, I listened to that podcast and that guy is amazing. You know, it, it's making those connections between my guests and the audience that brings me joy because that's that's kind of and my goal with all of this is to help other people learn right that's it if people learn things and i can make the world a better place one interview at a time then i've done my job a line yeah so and that's it that's really what it boils down to so i wanted to give my you know example of what you just talked about and how you made me think about it too so and which is exactly what as you're if you're salesperson right that's the type of thing you want to pull out of somebody that you're talking to right is to understand them at that level so that you can then help work with them to figure out okay whatever i'm trying to sell you how does that align with those beliefs mm -hmm. right? because if it's misaligned you're not going to sell the thing but if you've taken the time to understand who this person is they're going to feel heard right and not judged mm -hmm. and now I'll be more willing to make that decision that hey I think I do want to do something with this person because they've listened to me and they're aligned with what I care about right and I can totally see how that can you know flow into personal life too you know cuz you know if my wife can't get the technology to work in the house she always comes to me I can't get this to work it sucks and I just want to teach you know I, and you know but you have to have patience to want to learn <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, her motivation is different than mine, and it's kind of finding that balance. So, it, I mean, uh, that, that's an interesting example as well, because sometimes, right, that person is saying, I want you to fix this problem, mm -hmm. right? I can't make this thing work. Sometimes they want you to say, That must be really difficult. Tell me about that, right? Because it's an emotional response rather than a just fix this thing response, right? And that that's a big part of what I teach is how do you listen to understand what they're trying to communicate? Is it an instrumental fix this or is it a, an identity based? I'm really frustrated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Colton, this has been amazing. I, I absolutely love this interview and the information that you bring. I'm sure my audience is going to want to learn more. What is the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, definitely through um, LinkedIn, Colton Seal on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. Or um, Colton at PixisAcademy.com email, I, either way. And my website is 
www.pixisacademy.com. And there's uh, my favorite part of the website is my blog. And I think if people go to that and read that, you'll start seeing what I'm about and hopefully you like it. I'm sure they will. And do me a favor for the people that don't have a computer in front of them, spell your last name and spell Pixis. Um, Pixis is spelled P-Y-X-I-S. That's Pixis Academy. And my last name is spelled S-E-A-L-E. Like the animal seal, but with an E on the end. Excellent. Dude, thank you so much for coming on and dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. You got me excited. And hopefully it's going to get those salespeople out there excited to think about a better way to be able to communicate and, and hopefully be more successful in life. Fantastic. I hope so. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon. <laughs>